Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm Stephanie Williams. And I'm Ashley K. Smalls. How are you doing, Steph? I'm doing good. Uh, we're here because Ian is stuck somewhere in the multiverse. Hopefully, Wanda has not gotten to him. But if, he, if she has... We took the yes. show. You know, we have been we on it so much that we just decided it was time um, for us to own it, you know? And here we are. So thank you to the audience. No, we're joking. Ian will be back next week. Yes, Ian will be back. Um because if it was Black History Month, you probably would have to worry because we would have legit um, taken oh, yeah. it and he yep, would have never got it back. Would have changed it to um, a nice little Wakanda uh, forever. But we are not by ourselves. So, you know, <laughs> just calm down just a little bit. Uh, we are joined today by Brandon T. Snyder, hey, who is. What's up? Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. It's all right. Because I was going to give you an illustrious um, introduction. Um, But actually, no, if you could go ahead and do that, Brandon, for yourself, because I don't want to miss anything. Hi, I'm Brandon T. Snyder, and I write things for lots of different people. And I think that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave the mystery. You're going to have to do the rest. Google me. Find me online oh. and figure out who I am. And maybe tell me when you find out. Period. I'm loving that energy. <laughs> and we also have Aaron Reese. Aaron, can you please introduce yourself to the people? Hello, hello. I am Aaron. I am a witch and digital marketing extraordinaire um, that happens to be writing a comic book about witches. So happy to be here. Oh, you must tell us more after we get done talking about Moon Knight episode five, which was, you know, all these Marvel shows, they have that one episode where they're just like, hey, we got to unpack some trauma. Actually, I don't really know they did that for Falcon and um, the sad winter man, but (laughs) (laughs) if they did. I do not recall it, but I do recall WandaVision. WandaVision. I believe yeah. Loki had one. Um, what if possibly had one? Also, don't recall. Uh, but I know they definitely had one for. Um, <laughs> I was going to say Hawkman, but it's definitely Hawkeye. Um, he had a little episode, a little something, Ooh. and now we're here at Moon Knight, and things got really weird for a second, but then got incredibly sad. Ashley, um, what was going on in those first opening moments? Oh, gosh. Okay. So, you know, we have our wonderful, uh, as some people just call her the hippo lady, but um, her yeah. actual name is, oh, I'm going to mispronounce it wrong. T- Tillaret. Oh, thank you for taking the um the fall <laughs> grace on that one, because I was really going to mess it up. You know what I've been calling her? What? Tatiana. And that's not even, it's not even a W in there or nothing. Stop it. No, it's Tillaret. <laughs> thank you, Aaron. Tatiana, See? I know it. Uh, give me that Tatiana Build-A-Figure. I want it. Yes. I mean, she gives Tatiana, but my bad. I didn't mean to dis- de- derail us, but <laughs> Ashley, please continue. <laughs> so, uh, so Tara, and I'm going to just keep on pronouncing, like, you're going to hear like different variations of her name, um, the <laughs> variant. Um, but basically, uh, you know, she explains to um, Stephen and Mark that they are they're that they're dead. We watched them get shot. They hadn't fully processed it yet, but you know they're dead. This is their um, sort of their idea of an afterlife. Um, and what Tarret does is, you know, there's this boat, and you have to balance the scales, 
And if the scales are balanced, you get to go live happily ever after in the field of reeds. And if it's not balanced, you get thrown overboard. Um, and Mark and Steven are finding out that their scales are not being balanced here. Um, and of course, in true Mark fashion, you know, he has a simple solution. Let's just kill the hippo. But um, Steven's like, how about we figure this, this thing out and, and we get these scales balanced? And um, that is what takes us down a lane that is very, very depressing and had me screaming and crying at my TV at 3 a.m. How about the uh, Yeah. Um, just to keep it quick and short. Yes. I said, wow. I just <laughs> knew when they introduced, um, you know, Tatiana Ali <laughs> that we were going to get, there was just something sad that was on the way. You know, Marvel loves to do a thing where they introduce something that will be memeable. Uh, will go ablaze uh, on the internet only to, you know, sneak something else in there that will be incredibly sad. So um, I didn't expect it to go the way that it did. But um, even if you are a reader of the Moon Knight comics, still in this iteration, they've focused solely really on um, his uh, dissociative identity disorder, which I think that they've handled so far incredibly seriously. Um, and I think this episode was, I don't know, like as beautiful as it could get, um, as far as them kind of going into, uh, I don't like showing a male character's, um, breakdown, um, his vulnerability and everything else. Yeah. I feel like, you know, um, you know, when this, when, when I first started, there were people who, of course, were worried about how they were going to, you know, handle showing disassociative identity disorder. Um, and some of them even, I remember there was comments about people who felt like, you know, they were like, he was being treated too much as a comic foil, which I don't think he ever really was personally, because I think it was just like, he doesn't, he's just finding out about Mark. He doesn't know these things. I don't think he's meaning to be funny. He's just genuinely terrified. But now yeah. we move to this episode where we see this. Steven is is who he was. That's who he was, you know, before he developed the personality. Um, no, excuse me. Mark is who he was before he developed the personality of Steven. We were first introduced in this in this series through Steven's lens. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, what's very interesting is really seeing the lengths that Mark specifically has gone to to basically protect this person, you know, to, to protect Steven from the realities of their childhood, from the reality of um, you know, I don't want to necessarily say why he exists because I don't, um, I don't know if that's completely the, the correct terminology there. Right. But, you know, when you think about like, why would he go to such desperate measures to like find a one finned fish, for example, in the, you know, in the first episodes, like when we first watched it, it seems sort of funny. Now we have this context of he is trying to protect Steven's innocence and it's like, God damn. <laughs> Right? It's it's a lot to take in. Brandon, um, what did you think? <clears throat> I mean, this was that episode that you wait for where like where it's all coming together. And I I really oh god, I really um I think they did a really nice job in general, if I gotta say, of like because we're getting so much information and context in this episode, and none of it felt like we were being told. Like it really did feel very organic and very natural the way that it all unfolded with, um, you know, just in finding out the 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 truth about Stephen 
um, and his origin. Um, and I like, I really like that because I tend to sometimes watch things with my writer's brain where, especially with regard to like, you know, uh, uh, exposition and explanation and stuff like that, where sometimes with certain shows you watch and it's like, and now we're getting to the place where they're just going to tell us about things. <clears throat> and because mm-hmm. there's so much that happens, I just was like, really, I thought that they did a good job of just everything came out very naturally. And by the end, you know, there was a lot of tension and it all really built in a way that really engaged me more than other episodes of the show. Um, and that was just really exciting. <laughs> yes. And Aaron, tell us what you thought. Um, so, you know, I am a mythology baby. Um, and I found this episode to be interesting for a few reasons. Um, one, Marvel really grappling with conversations about the afterlife. Um, so now this is the third time I think that we've had a hint at an afterlife in the MCU. Um, so there is Hela's domain, um, and not necessarily in Asgard, but of Asgard. Um, there is also the, oh my God, what is it called in Black Panther? The Ancestral, Ancestral Plane. Plane. Yes. Yeah. The Ancestral Plane in Black Panther. Um, and now we have this. What I find interesting is like, it seems like Marvel has been sort of like opening the fan. Um, <laughs> so I feel like Stephanie knows this and maybe Brandon knows this, but like, I have always had sort of a gripe with the way that Marvel approaches the fantastical and the magical um, simply because if you look at Dr. Strange, for instance, it's a very pragmatic approach to magic. Um, whereas WandaVision, we got to see sort of nonsensical magic take place, um, witchcraft explored, things like that. Um, but I bring all that up because I feel like despite how character rich this episode was it's still i don't know it still kind of follows kevin feige's like trajectory that he has along right like Mm -hmm. even us seeing tower wedded um which is a fertility goddess which i find interesting especially when you think of what wanda's going through right now um in the mcu but the idea that like Marvel's now getting us used to seeing gods more is also like really fascinating, especially with Thor, like Love and Thunder coming up and all that good stuff. So, I mean, I found it very like enriching on two parts, like both the fantastical, but also um, the quite literal with looking at both, you know, both figures that we're dealing with, Mark and Steve. So, yeah. Towerette did mention the ancestral plane in like. Mm-hmm that mm-hmm. one moment and like got a little bit of a, like an exciting giggle out of it. Like, she, and that was kind she of like did. a weird and interesting and exciting little um, moment just to get an opinion on something to, that connects the gods, you know, the, or, you know, whatever, all of the, the God, God pantheons, pantheons. Yeah. Right. The pantheons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. It was like a little nice little crossover. It, no, it definitely was. And um, the way that she kind of reacted to that, I just imagine like, you know, fast and hopefully I think we are supposed to get um, like a depiction of Bass in the mm-hmm. upcoming Black Panther movie. So isn't like that, that has me looking for. Hmm? So I was just thinking, isn't she related to Boss? Tara? No. Gods are a family of sort, but... Um, so Bass is a little tricky in terms of like the Egyptian depiction and then Marvel's. 
Um, because Marvel's depiction of bass is sort of an amalgamation of the real bass, which is more of a house cat goddess, and then Sakmeth, which is like the lion head goddess of war. But yeah, they're like not related at all. If anything, they have two very separate um, and opposing functions, I would say. Okay. I'm like, I'm just trying to remember something from the comics, but by the time we figure that out, this entire show is going to be over. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. leave it to Marvel. They'll find a way. Her mm-hmm. excitement was very much, you know, like we all know Ancestral Plane is the way to go. <laughs> like, that would be me. Like, something happens to me. Like, okay, where are the Wakandans? Where do they go? Okay, that's left. Great. Um, mm-hmm. she definitely, that excitement was like, you know, you, you have, um, she definitely seems very like that that giggle after she uh, said ancestral plane. Like I don't know if the gods are kind of all in agreement about this, but I personally, from what we've seen so far of the afterlife in Marvel, um, I'm just saying my vote would go there. Like that's where you send me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, and I'm with the celestials and all that going on. I mean, hell, they better band together because again, right. we just don't know, um, and we also can't have. Mark and them trying to remix the sky again, giving a little oomps, oomps like true. they did in the last, <laughs> last episode. <laughs> All right, moving forward to uh, a little bit more serious. Um, so the first glimpse into the things that they need to write to balance the scales is um, you see a like funeral, well, ap- repass really um, afterwards. Um, and little young Mark is coming down the stairs and his mother is just in shambles because um, his brother um, passed away. And we learned that um, whatever happened, she is blaming it on him. He drowned. They went into a cave and uh, she is blaming it on her other son. And I say to myself, ma'am, why were you not watching your children? So there was that, right? Um, So like uh, like that was my anger. I'm like, Miss Mamas, you watched them run off yeah. to a cave. You knew, like, I mean, if they were just going to play hopscotch in front of the house, I think, you know, but instead you literally just let them go off. And I mean, you put a pretty big responsibility on Mark, who is himself a child, um, mm-hmm. to have full responsibility and I guess protect his brother from any evil. Like, I don't know, yeah. where I'm from, you know, people, <laughs> literally anything can happen to you. So I'm just... I mean, obviously, that's the kind of the whole point is that this is sure know, she becomes an abusive mother and she's not she's she's not, you know, thinking. I mean, I'm not trying to excuse her abuse in any which or way, but just to say that she is not, you know, going she's not looking at the situation from um, a, a healthy mindset. But like that was all I could just do in this entire situ situation is just especially as Steven got angrier at Mark was just like, please, at some point, let Mark know that he was a kid and that like there was nothing mm-hmm. he could have possibly done since his mother spent his entire childhood telling him that at age seven, apparently, he was already supposed to be Superman. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, you see um, also like just how she handles grief, how he ultimately ends up handling grief and trauma, all of them really, and also his um, father as well, who... Um, in the comics is it's very clear that he is a rabbi. Um, and in this episode, I, you know, I, I'm like, I was like, Oh yeah. Like they remember that Mark is Jewish. Um, right. when they were showing like the, the funeral scene, I want a funeral, but like the repast and all of that afterwards. Um, and I think his 
father mentions um, his mother Shiva, if I am not misremembering. Yeah, yes. holding Shiva. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah, Brandon or um, Aaron, uh, whoever wants to go first. But like, what was your feeling uh, feelings as like we got introduced to seeing uh, what? possibly led or actually eventually led up to the creation of Stephen. Well, I want to say, first of all, I want to know if these people live in New York, I want to know where the closest cave is <laughs> that these kids ran to. Cause they're like, that yeah, part, we're just here in no, the city. In the in Chicago, which is even more maddening. Okay. Because then they're <laughs> like, yeah, we're just going to run into the woods and do a cave where then there's so much water that a child drowned. Like where I'm like, Hmm. Where is this cave? Uh, that's just me and my logistical mind. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I will buy a hippopotamus woman. Absolutely. But where is the cave? I need to know. I need to, you to point to it on the map. Um, I thought the lead up to like the reveal of like who Stephen's Genesis was like really, um, really good. And it, like, I feel like, again, like th- this episode really paid off on a lot of things that have been teased and, and like um, it built the tension in a way that kept me not doing that thing that I do sometimes when I watch Marvel things is being like, where is this going? Um, It just gave me, I just was like engaged fully. Um, And honestly, when I was watching it the other night, like drowning is frightening. And it reminded me of those moments like when I was a kid where I would be this tiny little thing trying to pick up a quarter from the deep end and I didn't hold my breath properly or I was doing something and I would have those moments of panic where I'm like, oh my God, I don't have enough breath. I'm like, before I get to the thing and you get up out of the water and you're like, <gasps> like, and so watching that whole thing take place was like, I don't want to say it was like legitimately triggering, but there was a part of me that was like, that definitely clocked that and was like, oh my God, that's, that's frightening. And obviously it, it had this gigantic ripple effect in Mark's life um, that really, yeah, I, 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 I liked the work also that um, Oscar Isaac did. I don't think it's easy to do one of those things where you're playing against yourself in scenes and playing multiple roles. I think that's just difficult for an actor to sort of manage. And I think he did a really good job of, of giving us a dynamic between Mark and Steven that seemed <clears throat> very genuine and also nurturing um, at various times. And his and ugh, Mark's mom, not I don't know what her deal is, but she's rude. Uh, very. Aaron, did you <laughs> want to add? <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm trying to check myself off mute. But Aaron, did you have anything that you wanted to kind of add? Uh, sure. I mean, I think one of the things I loved about this episode <clears throat> is that I'm always a huge fan of an unreliable narrator. Um, and it was very much the feeling that you got in the comics that the series is mostly pulled from, like Jeff Lemire's run. Um, and I like the way that it manifested in this episode. Um, so like, for instance, like um, the office that he's in um, is exactly the warehouse that we saw in episode two. Um, literally down to like the windows and the shutters, but clearly like revamped for this. But um, one of the things I find interesting is that you've kind of seen tidbits of things throughout each episode before this that have kind of 
at least if you've been paying attention or been looking for these details to make you question reality. One of the scenes that I brought up to a friend recently. um, So when he is like actually having a humane conversation with Arthur for the first time, um, it's very interesting because as he's walking through his compound, it's actually very reminiscent of a psych ward as well. Like if you just sort of pay attention to the way that he interacts with the other characters, like you kind of see, for instance, that there are people just kind of like sitting in front of a TV watching a nature documentary. Um, People are getting fed like food, like in a sense of like, um, like almost like a cafeteria style because in psych wards, um, they do that so that you can see um, the process of the food and like, you know, make sure they're not like adhering to your paranoia, but like stuff like that, I found really interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, also what a painstaking episode um, to really watch. <clears throat> I don't really have a lot of thoughts on um, like Mark's mother, other than you know, obviously hurt people hurt people. Because um, I've seen I've seen a lot of like discourse, like ah, oh, she's one of the most ruthless villains in Marvel. Um, to which I'm like, grimace. Like, I, well, <laughs> yeah. and I think that's a little. Uh, I think that's a little unfair it to is. say that. Not saying that she isn't. I mean, it's not a huge problem the way that she treated uh, Mark. However, like all we've been seeing is how folks deal with trauma and grief, and mm-hmm. this, unfortunately for him, his dad, and also for her, is how she um, went about handling it. So if anything, I think this was just, um, you know, another introduction of that. And also what leads to um, how they go about, you know, letting us know how he ended up developing um, Steven. And you brought up a point that I didn't even think about, but the fact that the psych ward um, in his mind works exactly how you would possibly see it in like a movie. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Steven we later find out comes from a movie that um, Mark watched a lot. So just him dealing and coping with his grief and trauma through uh, television. We just saw another character do that. In fact, uh, four or five of them episodes or six of them were (laughs) her basically having her own Netflix going on. (laughs) <laughs> or Disney Plus in this case. So like really? so like, you know, people are doing things. Um so just kind of moving things along, we actually do get to see the actual origin of Moon Knight, the the superhero, um, because when Mark is like, hey, don't go in that room, um, when Steven tries to see, you know, what's really going on, they go to another place and this is like in the desert somewhere and there are dead bodies all over Layla's dad. And Steven is asking Mark like, Oh, so, Oh, you really did do the thing. Like you are as terrible as I thought you were. Um, and Mark's pretty much like, yeah, I am. That's what I've been trying to tell you this entire time. Um, and you have a scene that comes directly out of the comic where um, we see a Mark who has done what he has done and suffered uh, injuries while doing it. And he crawls. How random is it that you just ended up at the temple of um, Noki? And I know that's not his name. 
Conchu. Yes. You know Noki. Conchu. Minute, I'm sorry. Yes. Noki as in G N O C C I E. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm hungry. Um, you ended up at the Temple of Conchu. <laughs> and um it just was in the nick of time you know what it was fate it was fate um that he ended up there because Kanchu being the god that he is and seeing uh that he could take advantage of Mark and also at the same time save his life um and you know Kanchu I've also seen utterings of folks saying like you know how terrible he is because of him basically taking advantage of Mark because he knew that he was fractured. I'm like, well, no, because if he would have died. So, you know, it, it was a it was a coin toss. So uh, you see yeah. Mark transform, I, transform from Moon, I mean, from almost dying to Moon Knight. So again, like a, a, a moment that happens directly from the comics. And I as will leave as- the floor open for y'all to talk. Well, I was going to say, as soon as Conchu started talking, I was like, say the name. He's going to say the name. Just wait. He's going to say the name. And then I got that got that moment where he was like, uh, and I feel like I could do like a, a half Conchu, like, my fist of vengeance, my moon night. When he said my moon night, I just knew it was coming and it made me like excited because even though I think it's cheesy when shows and things say the name of the thing, this, I was just like, say it, say my moon night. And he did. And it just felt good. It did. It was a beautiful scene. Um, I mean, I think it's interesting that the reception of moon night and sort of Mark's violent nature, um, it's been something that I feel like it's been a deep conversation, like on social and everything, but I find it fascinating because this type of thinking isn't applied to other heroes, um, such as a certain sky rodent that shall remain nameless. But um, I am glad that there is a deeper conversation happening around superhero ethics and like, what does it look like? Um, What are the ramifications like when you kill someone or like things like that? Um, Mm -hmm. And Mark, so far feels like the most accountable character that we've had in the MCU period. Um, And I'm actually like really happy to see that. Yeah. I also was just really happy that Steven also says that, you know, Khonshu is taking advantage of you. I know we're also looking at this from a, well, you know, Mm -hmm. you were about to die type of thing, but it's also like, that's sort of just it. That's manipulation. You know, he's going to agree to do whatever you want because he's two seconds away from death. That's not exactly a choice of like, Oh, I think I'm doing the right thing. That's more so like a It's I a desperation. Like yeah. So um I'm also and that's uh as Steph was saying, you know, that is strictly out of the the comics. I mean, we've gotten a, a good sense of Khonshu's asshole um personality, I think, for a bit, for the you know, as much as many of us love him and we laugh and things like that, like obviously this is part of him that's pretty ruthless. And him realizing, oh, this man is about to die. This is my chance to have him do whatever I want, you know, that is a manipulation. Um, that is a manipulation tactic. And then even moving on to fast forward to the, you know, early the episodes of him still sort of manipulating Mark in that, you know, if you won't do it, I'm going to just go to Layla. I can, you know, he still has him in the palm of his hands. It's not really a, you know, for better or worse, Arthur genuinely thinks he's doing something good. We know he's not, but like he is following um, 
you know, behind this, this, this philosophy, because he genuinely believes in it. Um, and from this moment to all the, all the moments that we've seen from the beginning of this, of this series, uh, Mark is really working from a place of, if I don't, something much worse happens. Um, and you know, that, that, that is, that's manipulation at the end of the day. Absolutely. And I mean, if anything, I think, um, I guess, I don't even want to say hats off to Marvel, but um, that's kind of how the gods or some gods operate. Um, Mm -hmm. They aren't, I mean, they don't really come and talk and commune with humans like that unless there is some need that they possibly have. Um, So even in that, like I would, at the end of the day, I would expect um, some type of manipulation to happen from a God who the rest of the guys, quite frankly, couldn't stand. They could not wait to to, to stone him uh, and put him in that little um, that statue. Like they they had, you could tell they had been waiting for centuries. They yes. had been talking mm-hmm. about doing that um, for a very long time. They were almost with glee. Uh, to, to yep. go ahead and uh, wrap him up. So, Kanchu, if anything, just reminds me of a really irritable old man who, um, you know, been doing stuff and finally has uh, an avatar that will allow him to, you know, just not be bored. Because it seems like he, he's he's a guy who's giving bored um, at that very moment. And now he doesn't have to be bored anymore because he got somebody to go out and do his bidding. His moon night. His moon night. Okay. Um, <laughs> giving uh, a little midnight train to uh, Egypt. Please. <laughs> Please. So, giving death on the Nile. Oh my God. Enough champagne to fill the Nile. All right. So, Enough champagne to fill the Nile. <laughs> what a moment. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Um, so, they try to go back out. Um, the scales are still messed up. Um, you know, Miss Barrett's is telling them, uh, you still haven't fixed this. Um, and we're almost where we need to be. <laughs> did she not have okay? Numbers, they're beads. Not you did have beads. Her hair was laid. Beads. It was, you know, it, it was laid. Okay. That's that's how I know she be kicking it in the ancestral planes. Don't know because we haven't that's seen a guy with hair laid like that just yet. So I'm wanna exactly see a follow-up. Yes. I saw like she was running late when they first got there. She was like, oh shit. She yes, she had just she just hopped up out the chair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So please, okay, I've derailed us again long enough so she can think, go back out there. The scales, they still messed up. I'm like, maybe check them rocks because maybe, maybe it's something off there, but it wasn't. So they run back in and finally um, Stephen finds out how he was created, um, which was a really heart-wrenching um, moment um, and to just kind of see uh, you know, children and the ways that they go, or just the human mind in itself, and the way and the limps that it will go to to deal with trauma. And for him, it was the creation of um Stephen, um, which your heart breaks for Stephen because <laughs> in his creation, like that is the life that he has only known, and that is dealing with his mother, um, so that Mark does not have to. 
um, which is all incredibly sad in itself. So um, I will leave the floor open up for y'all, but that scene really, um, yeah, that messed me up just as much as the Wanda throwback scene um, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, what happened with her and her brother and her parents. Yeah, and like basically, yeah, and I mean. You know, to be honest, it was like, it was enough for me in terms of the abuse when it was just emotional. And what we saw was, you know, this kid being blamed for his brother's death. Like, that's enough for anyone to like, just, you know, I'm like, you know, I'd I'd be, that would be enough the minute I can legally leave the house. Like, no one is going to see me again. Um, And Marvel took it to, you know, another level um, to reveal the physical abuse as well. And... I think that's really where the most, like it was already an emotional episode, but then it's, it's sort of just like, you know, um, and then even when they fast forward to when Steven is finally the one um, in that sort of um, that, that therapy with this, this version of Arthur, who's a therapist now. And he find and he finally gets to see, you know, what this, this other side of, of this afterlife is supposed to look like. Um, and Arthur's character that when he's, when he's, a, when he's a therapist, picks up the phone and is like, oh, do you want to talk to your mom? Sure, let's talk to your mom. Let's call your mom. And Steven breaks down in tears as it, you know, connects with him for real. And he has to actually come to terms with the fact that I haven't been talking to anyone on the other side of that line. And, you know, also going back to, you know, rewind to the later Gators um, line as well and seeing that that moment, that very brief happy moment between Mark and and his mom before things go left and, you know, kind of reveals that that was something that they held on to, you know, even as Steven is imagining this relationship that he still has with his mother. Um, it, 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 I don't even really know like how to go into this from like a, I want to be more in depth with it, but like, a, I'm really just more at like a, God damn, can we get back to the, that was when I was just like, okay, we got it. Yeah. We got it. Please, please. Can we please fast forward? I can't do it anymore. Um, not from like a, it's a bad thing, but it was just more so like a, this is really hitting um, in a place I did not know it could. Yeah. I mean, that whole scene with Steven and he's like picking up the pens and the pencils and putting them in the thing. Like it just made me, it just, yeah, my heart, your heart breaks obviously for this little boy who's going through this thing. And when he first spoke in that, um, in the British accent, like, first of all, when he spoke in the British accent, uh, I was like, or like, is he really British? And are they all doing American accents? Because I've, because I think the mom a couple of times said little things that I was like, that's one of my favorite games to play is, oh, is this a British person doing an American accent? Um, and I will look for any missed vowel. I'll be like, mm, let me look that. Cause I'm like, I cannot look them up on IMDB. I just have to figure out if they're British doing American. Anyway, my point is uh, when he went into the British accent and and just like all of a sudden, like something about the action that he was doing and just like the, the sort of disconnection that I saw in, in, I should say little Mark as he became Steven. Yeah, it's it's a heartbreaking moment. It's a heartbreaking moment because you're 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 Mark watching this thing and and understanding and being like, oh God, this is where it came. And then you you see this little boy who is under duress and who is, you know, experiencing, you know, has had these ma- these traumas and is now found his solution, which is not, um, you know, the best solution there is, but it's what he has to survive. It was really, yeah, it was pretty painful. Um, and the whole thing with Stephen too throughout the series is like, I 
I kind of like wanted to like just in the beginning of the series get to Mark Spector. Like I'm like, where's Mark Spector? I want to get let me. And I don't really, I, I didn't really know too much about Moon Knight and the and the history of Moon Knight before I watched this. Um, but but Stephen, by the end, when you know we're on the boat and you're like, what's gonna, what's happening here? And you recognize what's coming for Stephen. It was like, oh no, I, I, I really like fell in love with Stephen in this episode. And yeah, there's a lot of heartbreak in it, but that's life. <laughs> Aaron, did you want to add anything before we moved on? Um, sure. I mean, I think Stephen, Stephen's an interesting character. Um, and I, could go on in which the ways that like the way Mark created him is very similar to some of the tones of Steven universe. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially that creation of um, out of trauma. But I also think when like um, to Brandon's point, when Steven does meet his demise at the end of the episode, um, I was kind of at peace with it because Steven served his purpose. He was created to protect Mark. Um, And so I think especially when you're dealing with alternate personalities and things like that, and who's the, um, was it the dominant personality um, and all that stuff, like they're all like very um, intention filled. It also reminds me of Jane from Doom Patrol as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially Jane. Um, and there's so much there that I thought um, that are very similar between Doom Patrol and this. Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, so uh, I didn't even think about this, but the whole thing between Mark and um, Steven kind of reminded me of Severance. So if you all haven't seen that already, it's a series on Apple TV. And basically, um, you have an Innie and an Audi. Your Innie is the one that who is stuck at work all the time. Um, and your Audi is the person that gets to just, you know, be out in the world in life. And the Innie has an entire personality, thinks that, um, you know, they think they're alive and all of this stuff. And basically it's the same similar setup. Um, but they don't have like physical manifestations after they die or maybe they do. I don't know, but it made me think of that. And honestly, how horrific all of that is. And even for Steven to realize that his existence is solely, he was never alive. Like he, well, I guess he was, but not in the way that he thought that he was. He thought that he was the original and just how jarring that would be to realize that you are actually never the one that was in control. Um, Mm -hmm. Which is just, I don't like, I don't know. Like to even like really wrap your mind around that just feels just, wild yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think you know just his worldview really being um torn apart you know this like you know just two seconds ago my mother is still alive my mother is very loving i have this great relationship i mean we all i think there are so many people had theories about you know his mom but we were coming from it from a matter of like you know did mark just you know does he just not think his um mom is alive? Is she actually really gone? And really we have this truth of, it's not just that she's not alive, which would be enough to, you know, make anyone uh, grieve, but it's also this, this grief of the relationship he had with her that really never existed. Um, that basically ended when his, when his brother died. Um, and so it's just like, it's, it's, 
both the end of these memories and the fact that they technically didn't exist and also technically having to grieve, you know, his mother's death fully for the first time. I think those type of grief, those type of, that type of grieving is really complex because it's like, we can fully understand him not, I don't want to say necessarily hating his mother, though I wouldn't blame him, but obviously his feelings towards her are going to be complex. But like, also we see him across the street when people, you know, when when his family is in mourning and I'm being, and, and Mark not being able to bring himself um, to even go inside, like that's a whole lot to deal with at once. Um, and then we also, we, we see that really is the beginning of the story that we we tune into at the beginning of Moon Knight, because that's when, um, as Mark said, that's when Mark and Steven started to intertwine more into each other. Um, and yeah, that, so it's, it's, it's really a, a it's really just a, a, a breakdown of what Steven knew of. Yeah. Cause, um, cause what was it like um, when he's in the middle of the street, he falls to his knees and then you see Steven um, manifest again and like immediately put the phone to his face and it's open to some random app. And like, just the fact that Steven had been um, probably dormant, all the way up until that time. And mm-hmm. again, like Mark leaving it up to him to handle this huge emotional toll. Um, yeah. Like I, I mentioned earlier, um, this being the very first time that we really get to see a male character handle uh, grief and be vulnerable. And I just thought it pretty interesting that even still <laughs> with him, he still managed to give that emotional labor to someone else. Even if it was mm-hmm. just another physical, like a mental male manifestation of himself, it's just still the, you know, shoving off that emotional labor um, to the uh, whole entity that he has created um, in order to, to shoulder that load. So, I mean, I would be really interested to kind of read some pieces on that if anybody has written anything. But I thought that that in itself was... Um, I don't know, like just really interesting to kind of see play out uh, on the screen, especially for um, in the Marvel universe where, you know, the male characters, I mean, outside of like, we've seen them deal with things. You have Steve and dealing with um, being time displaced and thinking that his best friend died and Mm -hmm. the love of his life being gone. Uh, Tony and dealing with um, just, I don't know, the fact that he was a freaking war criminal. (laughs) <laughs> and mm-hmm. almost dying and the strap metal in his heart. Um, you have the Hulk and all of that. Thor, who is always going through something. And they, um, honestly, they cannot. I think, yeah. I was just thinking that yeah. but he kind of turned him into comedic relief. Like even in Endgame, you mm-hmm. know, um, originally in Infinity War, he kind of takes the macho road. I just lost my brother. And that, that really just that set him off. It was like, all right, daddy's gone. Uh, mommy's gone. I only had my sister for about 20 minutes. She tried to kill me, but she's gone. And now my brother's gone. So now I want to kill this man. And when he doesn't get to do that successfully, um, you know, he, he then turns to drinking, which is a very serious thing. But in the movie, it was the butt of a lot of jokes and things like that. Um, and so now we're seeing this grief where ain't, ain't shit funny, you know, it's not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so this, you know, this is definitely a different, or at least it feels like a different sort of avenue in, in not, not Marvel's first tackle ad dealing with grief, but like, you know, they, as everyone was walking away from this episode, oh my God, I'm in tears. I'm in this. And I'm like, yeah, I, they, ain't nothing to smile about here. Yeah. 
Um, and they, uh, so they come out of that. So once that moment happens and you see like, wow, so Mark's been, I mean, not Mark, but Stephen has been a terrible, uh, narrator to rely on because he doesn't even know, uh, you know, again, like he isn't the, he isn't the real one. Um, essentially. So they come back out and you think, uh, that they balance the scales, but they they haven't. Um, and we find out the only way to balance the scale because Mark has still not accepted um, just everything. Um, and through that um, comes the sacrifice of Steven. So um, Tarouette leaves and is like, well, you know, we made it here. So I'm going to step away, which I thought was hilarious. She said, my shift is over. <laughs> okay, I'm gone. Uh, and she leaves it to him. And um, they're just like, so what will happen? And uh, someone's about to come come get some souls because y'all didn't balance these scales. So um, some sand monster people uh, come onto the ship. You see, uh, you get a great moment for Mark and Steven where they are uh, fighting. Uh, Steven, I'm well, not, not fighting each other, but fighting to like stay alive. And Steven is helping Mark still. And Mark is also trying to uh, help Steven. And unfortunately, um, what it always had to be, um, Steven is the one that ends up going overboard. And while Mark tries to, you know, get him to come on and run like he can't, it's, it's done. And you see, uh, Steven crystallized and it's over. Steve, essentially, Steven is gone, but that is what ends up balancing the scales. It is a very, I don't even want to say bittersweet. It's just sad um, all around because you feel for, you feel for Mark. Uh, you also feel for Steven just given everything he just learned shortly before all of this happened. And um, the fact that he had to be the one to leave in order for Mark to go on. Yeah. I definitely thought um, that the secret to balancing the skills was going to be them try- having to find Jake Lockley. Um, so imagine my fucking surprise when when Stephen went overboard and <laughs> that ended up. But I definitely thought that that was going to be it. And we really, we didn't, I mean, we technically did not see him in terms of them actually like bringing him up. There's been like some people saying that they think they, that there was a scene with him, but like, we don't know it's him. Um, but I, I definitely, the entire episode just knew that like, oh, they need to find Jake. Like, you know, cause I'm, I'm over here thinking they were going to probably run into memories as they're going from place to place that neither of them recognized and that that was going to be it. Um, and so that like that, that ending with Steven having to be it, I mean, I know they're going to tie it all together in, in, in episode six, but it does leave me with a few questions. Cause I'm just like, what is it? And maybe you guys know or have a better idea of like, what is it that's exactly supposed to be saying that if Mark can't accept these things, then he has to get rid of this side of him that holds, like, I don't, I'm not entirely sure. Cause I'm over here thinking that there's something missing and come to find out, it looks like something needed to be removed. Yeah. So the process of just like the afterlife and the duat and all that stuff is really meant so one usually anubis does this which is the god of death um which makes it more terrifying but i think in this case it's not supposed to be or rather marvel's not telling us that like 
um, because he hasn't accepted his third persona that like he's not balanced. I think it's more so because these personas offered him protection and a sense of avoidance that no longer works as a safety shield in the afterlife, Mm. if that makes sense. Um, I felt like if anything, the possible dismissal of his other personalities could actually make him whole. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, because the whole time, like when they kept coming back out and those skills weren't balanced, I'm like, it's it's because one of you all, you've got to go because it's like you just said, Aaron, because it is the afterlife and things are very different. And Mar- and also, I guess Marvel in a way showing that I don't know, like how the afterlife works in this particular, you know, world and everything that they build. Um kind of saying that I don't think that Steven is gone forever I also don't think Jake Lockley is out of the picture either right. but um, I just think in that moment because up until no point had Mark really dealt with anything um, on his own and like kind of faced it so I'm kind of curious as when he finally got to um, the wheat fields is that the moment where he's going to have to put the, you know, put the pieces together by himself and maybe uh, Steven shows up again and maybe Jake as well um, to kind of help him. But, you know, that's just, you know, bullshit. Yeah. I mean, there might be a possibility of that because the feather on the scale is supposed to be a feather of Isis, which represents mm-hmm. truth. And that's why I think honestly him losing his personalities and that moment made more sense for Mark to ultimately just be really honest with what he's been right. doing with himself. Um, so who knows when they'll reappear, but like, I definitely don't think it's the end of them either. Um, and also, and some people have, have um, pointed this out um, on social, but I wanted to, just in case, you know, this is anyone's first time um, really listening to a conversation about it is that in episode one, Steven, when he's still working at the museum, he, He's not a he's technically not a tour guide, but there's a girl at the museum, and he kind of starts to function as one and explain things to her. Um, yep. And he explains the 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 field of reeds to her, and she brings up, you know, something along the lines of what would happen if you know you you didn't make it there. And Stephen says, "Well, that's that doesn't make sense because I'm not dead." And then it, it was a big foreshadowing moment to this to this mm-hmm. episode when Stephen does not make it to. Um, to the field. And so um, just in case anybody wanted to, to go back and see that, I mean, Marvel in true Marvel form, um, of course they're going to foreshadow and let you know that they're going to break your heart ahead of time. Um, but yeah, they've, they've been, uh, they've been playing around with letting us oh. know that uh, this, like, this moment was, was about to happen. Yeah, actually, um, now that I think about it, um, just remember um, in his bedroom, uh, the sand around the bed and him being chained to it. And, you know, the whole time you're thinking, is this because he's sleepwalking? And essentially maybe it was, but also um, mm-hmm. the fact that Steven um, in that last moments that he was alive, that he was there um, is essentially kind of trapped um, in the sand in the same way that yeah. uh, the sand was around the bed. So yeah, Marvel saying, hey, you know, we put little little uh, feelers out there for you to pay attention to, girls. Go ahead and do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even the Towerette um, plushies, yeah. like, in yeah. the first episode. Well, they need to be All a little right. bit more vocal when they want to break our hearts so, you know, we can... <laughs> <laughs> well, we can be better do. prepared. Don't whisper, shout. Right. Uh, so, um, 
yeah so like that's that's pretty much it because yeah. after um the heartbreak um then uh <laughs> our girl comes out of nowhere so she's back from our lunch break and she's like oh it's, it's balanced now <laughs> and now um mark is in the field of reeds i don't know why i said wheat fields but you know it, it was giving me it did look but like he's in the, yes <laughs> so he's in the field of of reeds and um do we hear a voice or anything or am I making that up? It's just kind of him looking around, right? I believe I, all I saw was him um, yeah. looking around. Okay. I just wanted to make sure nobody whispered something and I missed it. Um, but that's the end of the episode. Um, and wow, what an episode. Uh, so uh, we'll start with uh, Ashley, you, you go ahead and go, but what was your favorite moment from this episode? <sighs> It's hard to say a favorite. You know, you usually go with the moment that makes you like happiest, that made you smile. And there wasn't a lot of, um, wasn't too much of that happening here. Uh, I guess I would maybe go with that moment where I believe we saw Jake Lockley and he's he's dealing with, you know, um, this therapist version of Arthur. Um, and he has the glass in his hand and his voice changes Um it took me a minute, I because I thought it was it was Mark since we hadn't seen him at all. Uh, but that moment was very much like I'm tired of this. Why are we doing this? like I'm? Can we just kill our kill our way out of this? Um, and so that was probably the the most exciting. Even though uh, with everything in this episode, it took me a minute to sort of connect the dots there. And I'm um, sorry, I got to ask you too. Uh, what would you? Uh, what ep- what grade do you give this episode? Um. I'm going to give it an A minus. Um, Yeah, I think I'm going to give it an A minus. And more so, if I'm going to be honest with you guys, I am very nervous about the fact that we have only one episode left. And I personally still have a lot of questions. Um, So I think that's what kind of has me like, okay, this was a beautiful episode. Absolutely, uh, you know, put Moon Knight in that conversation of of great um, superhero TV shows. But like we got one episode left. And as of right now, um, Khonshu is is stone. Uh, Steven is also stone. Um, and and uh, Mark is now in this field. What is going on and how are we going to wrap this up? So I'm very nervous. But it was a beautiful episode. So I would give it a, a minus. All right, Brandon? So, I mean, I feel like my favorite scene... Well, one thing I wanted to mention is I really like the colors of Duat. And like, mm-hmm. just like the purples and oh, the yeah. golds and like all of that was like really rich and it was very dark, I will say. And I always think of my mom because my mom's always like, everything's so dark on TV because she can't see it. anyway. But, um, but she'll do this thing. Like, but like, so part of it, part of me was like, oh, it is a little dark for me. Just like, but I was like, I, it, it made sense obviously like for the story. Um, and it, 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 it just like the whole underworld was very rich. Anyway, uh, my favorite moment. I mean, I, I'm am partial to the to us finding out, you know, Stephen's origin. But I will, but I will give it to my fist of vengeance, my Moon Knight, <laughs> just because we get. But, but it's like we get the origin in in, in an indirect way, which is what I like. Mm-hmm. Which you know, we're not we're not getting it in the first episode. You know, we're not we're getting like, oh yeah, you're already on board, so we're gonna tell you. We're just gonna go back to these first few moments. Um, and I like that. And uh, the grade? Oh, the grade. Uh, let's just say A. Let's classic A. Right. And Aaron? Um, I would have to say um, Brandon touched on it a little bit, but 
definitely um, seeing his actual origin was great. Um, but I think I enjoyed mostly the aspects of the duot and the afterworld um, and all the mythology that's just there. So, um, yeah, I mean, this episode gets an A for me. So it gets an A for me. I don't necessarily know if I have a... Well, I do have a favorite scene. It's the tra- most almost tragic of them all, but it is when um, he kind of... He's outside the house um, and his father is trying to tell him to come in and he just refuses to um, to, to do it, to acknowledge it and deal with it. Um, and you have the scene where he falls to his knees and you see Stephen come back and for, you know, the very small detail of him getting up and like just some random app being open on his phone as he talks. So his mom and just kind of wanders aimlessly around the street. I just thought that was brilliant acting by um, this whole episode, really. But um, Oscar Isaac and just um, pulling that off um, in a way that it does not seem silly or goofy. It just is incredibly tragic um, and sad. So um, unfortunately, being the Debbie Downer here, that was um, my favorite scene. But that's more so because of Oscar Isaac and just how great of an actor he is. Um, All right. So before we wrap things up, um, Ashley, can you tell the folks where they can find you? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Ashley K. Smalls is my handle. Um, I also have a blog called brooklynblur.com if you would like to read there. So I think that's about it. Yeah, Brandon? Um, You can find me at Brandon T. Snyder with an I on all social media. And my website is kootiekid.com. Kootiekid.com. And Aaron. Yes, um, you can find me at magical.poppy, P-A-P-I, on all social channels. Um, and then, yes, my webcomic, Bitchcraft, um, you can find on Webtoons, and Bitchcraft is spelled B-Y-T-C-H, craft. And uh, for me, uh, you can find me on all social platforms, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Steph underscore I underscore Will. Um, it is not a Marvel thing. However, if you are a reader of the Distinguished Competition, as they, I, I learned that the um, editors and stuff call more um, call DC over at Marvel. But anyway, you can check out, or you want to get into some more God stuff, check out Nubia and the Amazons. Uh, Charlie and the Amazons just wrapped up. And there is a Nubia coordination special out May 3rd. Um, so that's like real soon. So please get on that. And then also uh, Nubia, Queen of the Amazon, starts uh, June 7th. So please check that out more. Actually, for a very specific reason, if you enjoy this Egyptian god situation, definitely check out uh, Nubia, Queen of the Amazons. Um, So with all of that said, um, I have been Stephanie Williams um, and my lovely co-host, Ashley uh, K. Smalls, joining me. And you can find Slayer Fest 98, the podcast, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. You can also subscribe on Patreon for more bonus content and find us on all social platforms. So again, that's Instagram, Twitter, and also TikTok at SlayerFestX98. Bye. 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 Bye.